Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm every Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Edwin. I want to talk a little bit more. Oh, yeah. You thought I was joking when I said I was going to hit record? Did you hit record? Oh, yeah. That's going to be an outtake. <laughs> It is filthy lucre. (laughs) It is filthy lucre. All right. So we're in Psalm 49 this week. We are, and I'm excited about talking about Psalm 49. Of course, we're winding up our second season on the Psalms, and we're looking forward to starting a third season in September with the book of Matthew. Hope everyone will be joining us for that. Absolutely. September is going to jump into season three, but we're still talking about season two. Got four or five more Psalms. Psalm 49. You're going to read to us from the New King James today? Psalm 49 from the New King James. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. Why should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish, and of their posterity who approve their sayings. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lives, he blesses himself, for men will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. A man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beasts that perish. We talked about wisdom and understanding yesterday, recognizing that this is a wisdom psalm if we're going to give its genre if we're going to pigeonhole it understanding its instructive nature this is this is not so much about man talking to god in worship as it is god talking to us yeah. we really see that picture here which is different from a great deal of the psalms and yet yesterday we also highlighted how this seems to be a continuation of this series that what we've learned psalms 42 through 48 now becomes an individual application and in those psalms the previous ones, we were talking about fear because there are all these enemies around us, fear because the city is being attacked, fear because it looks like God is being beaten. Now we come to this more individual fear that I, I, I may not have as much as the people who are around me, and the people who are around me actually seem to be pursuing sin and wickedness and, and prospering because of that, and it starts to cause 
fear. It starts to cause fear because I look around at those who are trusting in money and and there's there's the anxiety. And I, I'm not sure exactly where the anxiety lies. Is this just because they are sinners who now attack and take advantage of those who are poor? Is this a fear that says, I'm afraid I'm not one of the blessed because, look, those sinners are the ones that are mm. prospering and I don't seem yeah. to be? Those are those are some of the struggles that are laid out here at an individual level in the song. It certainly speaks to how our eyes can be drawn away from God, uh, and how we can think, yeah, think that I'm missing out on life if I'm following God. And so He's got to remind us what true wisdom and understanding is. Like none of this money goes with the rich. Mm. Like none of this money can redeem a soul. Mm. Like if God is your leader, your hope. God is actually one that's going to redeem you and bring you through death. I mean, the, the, the flavor of this psalm to go along with so much of the message of Ecclesiastes, I mean, it's, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah, you, you're going to die. And death is that great equalizer. And whether you have a literal, whether you have you lo- a lot, you perish. If you have understanding about your hope is in God, and he's going to deliver you. You're going to do better than the beasts of the field. But boy, if you don't, you're no better than the beasts of the field. And what a miss. What a What a loss. They are a squandering of humanity and the blessing of being made in the image of God if you're going to choose to pursue a life like some common animal. The, the great competition, mm. the great universal competition is laid out here before us. The, the two great powers that are competing to captivate and capture our trust and our hope. That's what I see in this psalm. It, it's God mm-hmm. or money. Okay. These these powers that we are going to trust ourselves to, trust our lives to, trust our eternities to, put our hope in. And I'm sure that there are other things that can make it on this list that are trying to capture and captivate our trust and our hope. But it sure seems in Scripture that one of the greatest enemies of God that is competing with him to, to take away our faith— to capture our trust, to captivate our hope, is money, wealth, material things. Yeah, and certainly the Lord spoke to that with his disciples. And the passage that came to my mind was in Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. Mark 10, 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and, get, and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked to them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. But- I love this message, with God all things are possible. And yet in the context, in the moment in which uh, this is said, it's to try to encourage these disciples that all the doors aren't open, even the doors to heaven, for the rich. And in fact, with the riches, there may well be special challenges or temptations that make it hard for them to it's, trust in God. The the passage you just read there, is that, um, that, is that following when uh, he had the interaction with the guy we call the rich young ruler? It certainly is. So yeah, he comes up to Jesus and says, what can I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's right. I obviously don't know exactly what's in his heart. I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but 
it it seems like, as I'm trying to figure out what would be going on in his mind, when he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life, knowing how wealthy he is or finding out how wealthy he is, I wonder if there wasn't that idea that, you, okay, there's a cost. There's a cost. Mm. I'm a really wealthy man. Surely I can afford it. T- tell me what I need to do. Who, do. How much money do I need to give you? How much money do I need to give the temple? How much, you know, what is it? What's it going to cost? You know, I, I wonder about that too. It's a remarkable thing because when Jesus rehearses to him the commandments, this fellow can say, and he's not called a liar, but this fellow can say that he's been keeping the commandments. So, I mean, I, by many estimations, he's been quite uh, religious and quite faithful, right, on many points. But, I mean, hey, if you're going to ask the question, Jesus told him the answer. He was lacking, and it seemed to be in this area of the heart that he wouldn't surrender everything to follow God. He went, He's a, about keeping some good rules and pursuing morality, and all that's fine and good, but now sacrifice and a full sacrifice, he wasn't ready to go there yet. Yeah, he wasn't called a liar. I agree. However, I mean, there's not any of us that thinks that he had actually kept all the law. So he's a religious yeah. person, but he hasn't kept all the law. We know he's violated some. By virtue of being a human being. By virtue of being a human being. I guess I can agree with that. Yeah, Yeah, I figured. Okay. Secondly, um, I do think that one of the things Jesus is pointing out to him is actually you have violated one of those laws, and it's the very first one, which gets back to what we're actually looking at in this psalm. This, This rich ruler, in his mind, because of his religious observance, often like us, hey, I'm a pretty good guy. Sure. I've kept those laws. I've kept those laws. I mean, as as well as anyone, you know, I've kept those laws. And when Jesus says to him, well, one thing you lack, go sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. I think what Jesus is highlighting is actually there's one of them you haven't kept. And it's the first one. You shall, well, the greatest, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, com- uh, and all your might. But I'm actually thinking of the Ten Commandments mm, that yeah. uh, you shall have no other, no other gods, gods before, before me. me. Yeah. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. This this young man did have a God before Yahweh. He just didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And and when he was pushed, mm-hmm. that here's how here's how you can get this other God out of the way. Then he realized, well, I'm not willing to pay that price. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder if Jesus had said give half, if he'd have been like, hey, I can do that. Hmm. Give 75%. Oh, I could do that, but give all. Man, that's tough. Hey, and that connection between covetousness and idolatry is spelled out in Colossians and spelled out in Ephesians. So it's it's not like we can't be walking the same path as this rich young ruler, get some things confused, and actually gold is our God. Mm, absolutely. And of course, what does Jesus say about this? How many masters can we have? can only have one. Only one. You can only have one master. He says, look, we'll either, this is what Matthew 6, 24, we'll, mm-hmm. you'll either mm-hmm. uh, hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't have more than one master. I, I can't remember where I read this. This is not original with me, but I really appreciate the, what I read. Uh, I think this actually may have been uh, in one of Kyle Adelman's books where he pointed out that Jesus here is not giving a command. He's not commanding him to not have more than one master. Mm. He's not giving him advice. You shouldn't have more than one master. He's not even teaching him, don't have more than one master. He's actually just stating a fact. It's a fact. You can't have more than one master. Mm. That's just the way it is. Mm. You know, and it's one of these is going to be the master. Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be God or is it going to be your money? And the wonderful thing about choosing God, this is highlighted in Psalm 49, is that ultimately God is the one who redeems and can redeem the soul. 
and to know an eternity with God. In the Gospel of Mark in the 8th chapter, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, Jesus asked those that were listening to him on that occasion, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Lord makes it clear there that no amount of money or wealth can redeem. And that is picking up and rephrasing this truth stated in Psalm 49. Understand this about money and about its limitations. Don't let it be your God. It can't save you. And no matter how much you have, it would not be enough. I love this this point that's really highlighted by the difference between the ESV and the New King James in Psalm 49 and 11. What, what did you say in Psalm 49 verse 11? Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. So listen listen to what we read yesterday in the ESV. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Hmm. So a little bit of a difference here. And this is yeah. actually a manuscriptal difference. The, the difference between graves and their inner thoughts, I think, is like a switch between two letters in the word is, is what, what uh, I've learned. Okay. And uh, so when the King James translators uh, were making their translation, the manuscripts they had, had that. The older manuscripts that have been found and more manuscripts that have been discovered caused the more modern translations to switch those letters back to this, their graves. But the reality is either way, the point is, I, I love the way the ESV has it, and that is, is that you know, no matter, even if you were rich enough to buy cities and name it after you, mm-hmm. when you die, mm-hmm. the only place you get to dwell is a hole in the ground. Yeah, it's a grave. But mm. if the, if this other translation that the New King James and the King James have, their inner thoughts are that they will get to dwell and live forever. The Psalm says, no, you won't. Even if you name cities after you, you mm-hmm. won't. So mm-hmm. either way, whichever one of those words was the actual one, it gets to the same point. You think your money's going to make you last forever, and it doesn't. Only God redeems us from death. So that needs to be the master. Absolutely needs to be the master. I uh, hope today in whatever uh, efforts you are involved in that uh, you remember that God is your master. Master, I want to remember that. Uh, Edwin, why don't you lead us in prayer? Holy God, be our master. You are our Lord, and we pray that today we will not just say that, but we will live it. That we will not say no to you, to your son, to your spirit, that we will say yes, and that we will do what you say. Because you are Lord and you are Master, we put our trust and our hope in you. It's through your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.
I'm serious. I'm about to hit record. This is going to end up in an outtake. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hit record. I dare you. <laughs>